Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the PodCTL podcast. We are coming to you just a little bit late this week. Uh, we were sort of busy doing some doing some Kubernetes stuff. So, Tyler, how are you this week, man? How, how you been? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it was, uh, you know... A, you know, Google had their Google Cloud Next conference this week. So there was lots of Google announcements, but there was also some community and Kubernetes specific stuff going on. So it was, it was a pretty busy week. Yeah. I, um, I had a chance actually. I had to be in San Francisco, uh, over the weekend. And so I was out there Monday for their, their community event and, and talked to some people at, at the pre show event. And then, uh, I was out there Tuesday as well. So I got a chance to listen to the keynote and, uh, listen to sort of Diane Green's perspective on where Google Cloud is and, and then saw some of the, uh, the demos that they did for for a few of the announcements. I didn't get to see all the announcements as demos, but uh, yeah, we thought we would talk about a bunch of the Kubernetes related announcements. We're not gonna we're not gonna go into all of uh, Google Cloud because it was you know a lot, but uh, we thought we'd talk about the Kubernetes stuff and then and then really dig into um, one new technology that got announced publicly um, that we haven't touched on the show before. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we can kick it off with a. Uh you know, a happy birthday to Kubernetes. Uh, it turned uh, three years old, so out of the terrible twos. And uh, you know, it's 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 amazing that it seems that it it seems like it's been been around forever, and it's only been three years. Right, right. Yeah, I know. You know, at Red Hat, we we feel like it's been around longer than that because we've been involved for probably almost four years now. I know. Um, you know, looking my my boss, uh, a guy named Joe Fernandes, was was the one of the product managers at the time. Um, so I've gone back and looked at some of his emails that he used to have with folks like Craig McLucky and trying to figure it out. So it's been yeah, it's been interesting to listen to some of the the podcasts and shows and and read blogs and stuff from way back when it started. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing. I think I think maybe next week we'll do sort of a you know where is Kubernetes at three years old and, and what's mature and and where is it for next week. So maybe we'll hold on to that. But uh, what um, where do you want to start in terms of the announcements? Because there were a lot of Kubernetes related announcements um, that were both Google specific and then some community specific stuff. Um, I say we start with the Google specific stuff. Um, the, the two that were to really interesting to me, uh, we'll start with the one is the Google Cloud Services platform. Um, so basically, Google said um, they took the you know GKE. They've had their uh, you know Kubernetes. Uh, service for for quite some time, and they've they've taken that and they've combined it with some other components like Istio, which we've we've talked about on this on this podcast before, and a couple of their other tools, and 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 built it into a full sort of platform. So that way, you know, I think it's uh, I think it makes a lot of sense if we talked about here is Kubernetes is sort of that building block that that um, kernel of your container platform, but you're going to need other stuff. And this is Google saying, well, most people are going to want this other stuff. So let's just bake it in. Yeah. Yeah. My, my sense of this was, um, you know, obviously all of the cloud platform providers, the the large ones are are trying to figure out how do they serve customers and, and trying to figure out both, you know, build out services in their own cloud. And then also, uh, you know, they're realizing that, that the whole world's not going to live in the public cloud, at least not anytime soon. So they're trying to figure out how do we how do we potentially get on-prem and, and do that in various ways? And I, my, my read is the, the cloud services platform is essentially their, their way they're going to go to market with partner companies. So, for example, they announced kind of an early partnership around this with Cisco uh, on stage. So, um, you know, they're going <clears> to <throat> they're going to do it as sort of a hybrid um, thing with some of the partners. Um, I think Cisco might have been the first one I expect that we'll see some announcements with other companies going forward. And and the expectation is sort of, 
um, you know, both sides of the connection or, or multiple sides of the connection will run Kubernetes. They'll run, they'll run Istio, and then maybe there'll be some additional technology that'll come along um, in addition to that to sort of manage multi-sites and, and multi-cluster and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just that, the you know, as people moving, you know, up the stack, as, as things get more mature and, you know, they customers have higher expectations from a, from a platform. Right. Right. Um, I think the one nuance to this, and we'll talk about this, I think, uh, in conjunction with the next thing we'll talk about is this is really just a software sort of stack, right? This is a, um, you know, Google's going to have certain things that will run in the Google cloud. Uh, the expectation is um, what runs in the customer's environment will be a somewhat similar stack, um, but 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 it's, it's just a software stack. And I'll, and I'll say that we're, we'll sort of contrast it to the next thing that Google announced, which was called... Uh, uh, GKE on-prem, or sometimes maybe you'll see it written as GKE OP or something like that. Um, and in essence, this is, you know, Google is going to manage Kubernetes um, on-premises for customers. So this is going to be essentially a managed service, um, you know, Google technology on in, in, in both locations. And, um, you know, Google announced a number of of uh, sort of accompanying management technologies to, to go along with that. So sort of multi I'll, I'll get some of the names wrong. We'll have to go back and put them in the show notes. But sort of like multi-site um, uh, GKE management, uh, Istio, some stuff for Stackdriver to be able to, uh, you know, do monitoring and so forth. But this is, you know, this is Google's first, uh, Google Cloud's first um, sort of step or foray into being on-prem with a managed service or, you know, sort of an on-demand as a service uh, at the customer's location. Yeah, I think the this is, um, you know, this is hard. I, I know Google. Yeah. Google knows it's hard. Um, you know, there's. Uh, you know, before I was before I was here at Red Hat, I was with uh, Blue Box, uh, with IBM that did some on-prem uh, remote managed uh, OpenStack stuff, and you know, we were both uh, dealt with with VBlock and VCE back in the day. Is is it's it's a hard problem to fix and uh, and and to solve. And, and do you know what you do in where an environment in your public cloud environment? They have very tight controls on uh, versus what happens in customer data center. So it's it's a tough problem, um, but I think there there's definitely uh, interest from talking to customers in, in sort of like a hybrid environment for most customers. So I think it's it's interesting to see you know Google be the kind of first one to take this approach. Uh, obviously. Amazon has uh, you know Snowball, and they're doing some Greengrass, some early stuff. They just uh, started allowing some other EC2 workloads on Snowballs, but it's very you know very small scale. Where Google seems to be taking this as more of a traditional uh, type of data center approach. Yeah, I, I think there was a couple of things that were interesting to me. It was um, like you said, you know, if you look at all the different vendors that are that are in this space, Azure um, probably what you would think is maybe the most robust approach to this. They're, they're going after it with Azure Stack. So their approach is like, let's bring a whole bunch of Azure services to, to your data center. Um, like you mentioned, AWS is going at it with Snowball and, and Google is sort of starting off with Kubernetes. Um, the, the thing that you mentioned about it being hard, you know, we, we could make a very, very long list of why this is hard. But I mean, you get into everything from, uh, you know, how do you interconnect this to the, to the customer's environment, which you know, the thing that the cloud providers I'm sure understand, but maybe don't completely understand is, um, you know, every customer's environment is a snowflake and, and it's very hard to force them to, um, you know, sort of conform to what the cloud providers do. So you're going to see lots of different network configurations, security, firewall, storage attachments, and so forth. So, you know, figuring out how to 
deal with that stuff because that's really not part of the scope of GKE on-prem. Um, figuring out hardware requirements, if you're going to mandate that the customer has certain hardware requirements or who your hardware partners are going to be or how you're going to sell this. Like There are a ton, a ton of things that weren't um, weren't discussed. Uh, they weren't clarified at the at the time of the launch. The time frame of this is supposed to be in the fall uh, that it will be alpha. So I suspect there will be you know a lot that will come uh, eventually. There were a couple of good podcasts for folks that want to maybe dig into it a little bit more. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, the Google team. There's a Google Kubernetes podcast, or I think they just call it the Kubernetes podcast. Um, the Google team does um, had a couple of product managers on. They didn't provide a lot of details, and I think some of those are just because they probably don't have them all worked out at this point. So, um, but anyways, it, it is definitely we're seeing. I, I think the way to read this is. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more, obviously, the cloud providers want to be anywhere customers can be. Every, you know, vendor wants to wants to sort of go after that. But I think more and more, we're starting to see th- this trend of, of companies saying, I want the benefits of, of Kubernetes and the innovation that's happening in open source communities and so forth. Um, but we're not always capable of keeping up with the pace of innovation. And so are there managed offerings that are out there? And, and I think, you know, we saw it with Red Hat and Microsoft, the announcement that we made, uh, you know, around OpenShift on Azure that'll be coming uh, later this year. We're seeing this. I think more and more all of these announcements are really getting at, you know, that there is a demand in the marketplace for managed versions of this innovation, which is which is evolving very, very quickly. And they're having a hard time keeping up with. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's what as you, you know, as we look at some of the other Google announcements, I think that's the the key kind of theme i would say is sort of maturity and use cases growing where you know there's more more on-prem more more in the cloud connecting them together you know more capabilities within the platform itself um and then even uh one of the one of the other ones that was announced was the cloud platform marketplace so sort of the idea of packaged Mm -hmm. applications to run on on google's cloud services so hey you know i want to be able to take this ready to go push a button and get this um, I think that's that's just the continuation of that too. Yeah, and we and we've seen the marketplaces from from a lot of uh, well, we've seen it from the cloud providers. We've seen them from people like um, uh, Bitnami has a you know something called uh, Cube Apps and, and a bunch of other ones that are out there as well. So yeah, definitely you know the marketplace is a is a way to, to simplify getting your software, deploying your software, getting billed for your software, and all that stuff. So. Um, the other one that, that came out, and, and we've covered Istio as a technology. So Istio, the service mesh. Actually, I think Istio, the show that we did with Kristen Posta, is, is one of the most popular ones we've had in the history of this show. But um, they announced that they announced a couple of aspects of this. So, so the Istio project, the open source project, um, was moved to 1.0. So, so the sort of belief in the community is now that it's essentially 1.0 GA and uh, fairly stable. Uh, I think it jumped from like... 0.8 or 0.0.8 to, to 1.0. Um, so that was a big deal. Um, they also announced that um, there's going to be sort of a managed version of Istio that will run as an option, uh, an optional add-on to GKE. So GKE being the, the Kubernetes managed service in, in Google Cloud um, will now have a Istio uh, optional add-on um, that just sort of drops in, is already integrated with things like Stackdriver. So there were some pretty cool demonstrations uh uh, with both GKE and Stackdriver with the uh, the Istio offering. Yeah, yeah. I think the, you know, 
as Istio, you know, gets it's it's a combination, I think, of the technology maturing, right? Istio going, you know, 1.0. Uh, but I think it's also the users and customers' use cases getting more mature where they need something like Istio. Uh, we used to see this, right. I think, earlier, you know, you go back a year or two with some customers. And um, you know, even when I was at IBM, the the forerunner to Istio um on some of the technologies they're working on there and i i thought the best way i heard someone describe it was you know these are this fixes this is fixes important problems but they're like three or four hundred level container problems where most users have 100 and 200 level container problems so uh, so right, i think right. now we're starting to get those as, as people are getting more mature with it they're starting to run into those you know higher level uh problems that that istio's uh built to solve yeah, and and I think just real quick, just for for anybody, um, you know, we'll, we'll put the the show that we did previously. I don't have the number in front of me right now, but we'll we'll put the show in the show notes that we did with Christian Posta. Um, Christian's one of our colleagues uh, who spends a lot of time on Istio. Has actually written a book about it now. Uh, but the, the simplest way to think about Istio is um, Kubernetes has always had a, a concept of of how to do basic routing, pod to pod routing, inbound routing. Um, it's it's had a higher level concept called like. Uh, ingress. So how do you manage the ingress routing, load balancing, proxying types of functions um, to get into there? A lot of folks would use uh, HA proxy or, or Nginx or something like that. And then Istio is sort of a, a more advanced type of routing um, that gets very granular. It allows you to introduce the concept of like sidecars to be able to, uh, you know, do pro- do more advanced proxying, be able to have um, you know, probes and monitors running in, in parallel to your, to your pods and so forth. So, so think of it as, um, you don't need SEO just to do some of the, the basic types of applications that you have if you're lifting and shifting things. But, um, you know, as you're getting into more sophisticated microservices types of environments, um, lots of microservices, uh, Istio is sort of becoming the next add on from a routing and policy perspective, um, you know, for microservice types of environments with, with, uh, with yeah, and, and it's, you know, seems like something that will be kind of real commonly deployed for most environments. And I think that's why you saw like the Google cloud services platform announcement, uh, even with us at, you know, summit at Istio, bringing Istio into OpenShift. I think that's, it's mm-hmm. going to be kind of one of those things that people expect as part of a Kubernetes environment. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, I you know, just I, because this, this, this space feels like it's always moving so fast, I think it's sometimes useful to, to kind of put it in context. Um, you know, Istio got started, like you said, it started as a, a project that was sort of jointly done by IBM and, and Google um, probably a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, people were starting to look at the space. There were others in the service, service mesh space, like, uh, you know, Buoyant had something called Linkerd and um, so it, it's not a brand new concept and it, it probably took a good year or so of the, of, of active work from a lot of people in the community to really get it to 1.0. So, you know, I only say that because there's going to be some other stuff that we're going to talk about that got announced. Um, we have this weird tendency now around the Kubernetes community sometimes when, when something's announced that people literally the next day are saying, well, are you going to move everything over to that, uh, that new thing? You know, it, it took a good year of, of a lot, a lot of people being involved with uh, with Istio to get it to a 1.0 GA. So just kind of keep that in mind as we talk about new stuff that might be uh, 0.01 in terms of uh, versions and maturities. Yep, yep, and yeah, and, and like I said, just like uh, a bit ago, it's not only the technology maturing, but your understanding of it and, and use cases and stuff have to mature along with it. So definitely play with it. But right. yeah, you said, don't be right. Re- okay, cool. This thing, can we run this in production tomorrow? <laughs> 
Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, there was so the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about, and we should probably put this in a in a bigger bucket. Um, there were a bunch of serverless announcements uh, that were made, and and there's there's a couple of different ways to think about the serverless announcements. Um, I think the first way to think about them, when I say there's two ways, we can look at this from a from a Google Cloud specific way. We can also look at it from a kind of a Kubernetes community way. So we'll start with sort of the the Kubernetes community way. So the for the last I don't know maybe almost I feel like almost eighteen months, but at least for the last year, um, there really hasn't been a standard around you know what how how people should try and think about functions and events and so forth. Um, there was a bunch of early projects that that kind of got started right when CRDs were starting to come out. So you had things like Kubeless and Fission and OpenFAS and a whole bunch of projects have sort of emerged. Um, and I think a lot of people were looking at the Kubernetes community and saying, well, is that is that the plan? Like, are you going to just let a whole bunch of you know flowers bloom and people can use anything they want as long as they're using uh, you know kind of basic constructs? And and Google was kind of I don't want to say absent but silent on on where they thought things were you know what 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 they wanted to put their stamp on because I think a lot of times people will say well if Google gets behind something then that it'll probably grow in the Kubernetes community um, and so you know to a certain extent there was there was stuff going on people were looking at OpenWhisk they were they were porting stuff so I'm like the Azure Functions has been ported to Kubernetes OpenWhisk been ported to Kubernetes. Um, and so there was a lot of options, but not necessarily sort of one big backing. And this week sort of changed. So why don't you talk to folks a little bit about this concept of uh, Project K Native um, or or Native, depending on yeah. If I, you think want they, the K I think I think they put in the uh, that was you know kind of someone started as soon as they announced it that that joke started, uh, and then just like um, they did with with Kube Control that that got put into the 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 readme docs where he said it's K Native <laughs> is how they're going with it. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a, a, a really fascinating approach, which hopefully to me is, is what we'll see more of. It's, it's kind of par for the course for the Kubernetes community. Um, but I think hopefully what we see going forward, continuously going forward, which is it's, uh, you know, Google had an idea, um, but got with a bunch of other companies, including Red Hat and Pivotal, uh, and others to, to kind of work on this problem and then built things in a, in a sort of, um, building block fashion. So we can, we can go into a little bit like what's in K native, uh, but it's not like, oh, here's a new serverless project on Kubernetes. Use this one instead of, like you said, Kubeless and Fission and all these others. It's here's the things you need to build one of those. So if we should, instead of having 10 different projects that do it 10 different ways, let's let's build the primitives um, for things that people commonly build on top of Kubernetes. Uh, so that way we can gain some of that that network effect and and all work together on those pieces. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to so we'll we'll dive into it a little bit. I know you've been digging into it the last few days, and um, I, I think it's important to to sort of separate out what what goes on in these environments, right? So so there's a part of um, you, you write a function, you write a bunch of functions, which is like think of it as like your application code. Um, there needs to be some part of the environment that executes that. Essentially, says. Give me the resources I need to execute that and executes that. So think about that as, you know, it's the it's the compute version. And in in the context of of it running in Kubernetes, it's the thing that says, okay, this is a deployment of type, 
you know, let's call it type function, even though that's not really a type, but like, here's a deployment. I'm going to need some containers to run this, whatever the, the requirements are. Um, and then the second part of it is, you know, most functions, the way that the sort of the, the concept of functions works is they're, they're going to have sort of inputs and outputs. So they're going to get triggered to, to execute based on some event happening. And then typically at the end of that execution, you know, it runs, runs for so, so long or it does certain tasks, it's going to typically have an output. And that output could be, you know, putting data into a, into a storage bucket. It could be putting something onto a streaming uh, stream. It could be sending out a notification. People tend to think about that as, as an event as well. So, so think of it as your function is going to be sort of wrapped on an inbound and an outbound by some sort of event or something. Um, and I, I think Knative is trying to give people a framework that says, how do you deal with both of those things without necessarily defining all of it, right? It gives you a modular way to plug those plug into either both one of either yeah, side yeah, of that I, equation, I think that's right? the, the functions the itself the events. is the, um, um, and there, there's also actually the third piece of K native, which is somewhat related, but unrelated. Um, so, I mean, if you think about, let's, let's think about something like Lambda for a second to, to talk about these kind of functions and service and it's, oh, it's, it's just it's serverless. It's just code. So if I take some, some Python code, I upload it to S3 and then I create a, a Lambda with it. And then it, and then I, so let's say I use the, uh, API gateway or something to kick it off. And then, like you said, there's, there's the thing that triggers it, the event, which coming through the API gateway, what happens then is Lambda in the back end takes my code, spins up a container running my code, feeds it in the input, waits for it to finish or kills it if it takes too long, takes the output and then sends my output wherever it was supposed to go. Right. I mean, that's, that's basically what's happening. So you have the, the three pieces you need, right. Are one you hit on is the eventing, like how do, what's my bus to flow that, that in, um, the actual ability to serve it out when you're, you know, and scale it as needed, right? So if I call that Lambda, you know, a hundred times right in a row, it spins up a hundred copies. So you need that piece. Uh, but then there's also the the building. So I just gave it code. It had to build a container image basically to run. Uh, so so the three main initial Knative components are what they call build, eventing, and serving. So build, exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's a framework to do source to container build. So something like open... Uh, Shift does with S2I or Cloud Foundry build packs or like that type of construct where I give you code and then you turn it into a runnable, you know, Kubernetes container. Uh, so again, like you said, it, it's the framework to build that. Um, it's not a turnkey thing. Uh, so, you know, it's that allows people to kind of make it what they need it to be, but have that same consistent kind of flow underneath. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think um, we'll, we'll put some things in the show notes because, again, this is this is really brand new. Um, it, you know, it, it just got announced. One of the things that I saw in in a few of the announcements, you know, blogs from vendors and, and different things was people would say, um, well, hey, here's here's where we plugged in like OpenWhisk into Knative or, um, you know, here's how we plugged in Project Rift into Knative or, or some others. So I, I think kind of what you were highlighting was, like you said, this isn't um, this isn't the actual implementation. This is sort of a framework for implementations. And I think I think um, what it's going to allow is that if you already had a project, uh, so it could have been OpenWhisk, it could have been Riff, it could have been Fission, it could be OpenFAS, it could be a bunch of these things. Um, they should 
have the ability to plug into this, but going forward, um, anybody who's going to be interacting with the system, operating the system, connecting events and, and different services to the system um, should have kind of a common framework for doing that. So, so the way to think about this is like, this isn't the serverless yeah, thing. So, I mean, if you were taking in in one of those existing that, projects, right? right they, they, all those things I just talked about, eventing and then, you know, the scaling and building and all those, you, your, your tool did that, right? You had to make sure if you, if you were um, doing that with Kubeless or whatever, you had to build all those components. So now with Knative, you could actually, basically what you'd be doing is taking your code base, stripping that stuff out, leveraging the Knative components instead. And then, so your your actual code base, so your users wouldn't notice any difference. They'd have the same uh, APIs and, and they wouldn't even notice the difference. But on the back end, you got to strip out a ton of the code because it's being provided by these uh, this framework. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this. We'll probably try and get somebody, uh, maybe from Google, maybe from people, because this was a project that... Um, you know, some people had been behind the scenes contributing to, so it, it didn't, you know, it came out as, you know, had some some vendors that had worked at it and different people had contributed to it. We'll, we'll try and get somebody to come on and, and dig into it with us. Um, you know, I, I think it's definitely something that we're going to see people talking about. I, I think the, the one thing to not take away from this is, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't sort of define Every way I, I've seen some mis, misconceptions, I think, already in a few articles and stuff that people are looking at this and they're saying, oh, well, this is this is the new way that every developer is going to interact with Kubernetes. And I, and I think, you know, again, we're dealing with a, a 0.1 project and, and this is primarily intended to be, you know, functions and serverless. So, um, you know, I, I think we, we got to be a little bit careful that we don't take something that says, oh, this is sort of for developers and it's going to allow multiple things to plug into it for, for people to, to misconceive this isn't looking to become the only way that, that anybody can interact with it, right? Kubernetes has, as we've talked about on this show, a lot of times, there are lots of ways to interact with Kubernetes today, whether you're providing containers, whether you're, you know, using some of the tooling that other people already put on top of it. So to push code, to push binaries, um, this is just yet another sort of augmented way, uh, to, to interact with it. And I think, you know, it's, it's, one of a number of ways that we're seeing the Kubernetes community evolve to give developers more robust ways and more kind of simple ways to interact with, with Kubernetes. Yeah, exactly. for I, think, I think this is one of those typical of things of the first early movers on something like this is, you know, people on our, our side of the fence, like, Oh, we can use this to, you know, simplify some piece of our component, just like with operators, right? The first thing we see with operators was, hey, look, we can make the platform work better. We can make our, you know, OpenShift components that work on, you know, on Kubernetes, you know, more efficient, easier to use and upgrade and stuff like that. Then the next users are end users, developers saying like, oh, actually I could use an operator for my app and this is going to get this, this, and this. I feel like this is the same thing with Knative where the first kind of movers on it will be, like you said, the Riff and Whisk and whoever being like, oh, look, we can, this is, this will help us improve our platform. Uh, and then there will be end user developers that, that say, oh, actually I'm building my app and, and this eventing component is actually super helpful. So I think I'm going to use this. Uh, but I think that's usually comes down the road a little more. 
Right. Right. The other thing I think that'll be interesting to watch and, and uh, you know, sort of making any predictions here, but like you mentioned, it, it does have sort of three elements to it. Um, and it will be interesting, especially I think immediately or in the nearer term, uh, the build part of it will be interesting because, you know, the ability to just take code, turn it into containers is something that we have seen uh, with other things. Like you mentioned, um, things like OpenShift S2I and, and build packs, Heroku build packs, Cloud Foundry build packs have sort of done this for a while. Um, you know, does this become sort of a unifier for that so that there, there's sort of one way of doing this? Um, I don't know yet if there are things built into the build part that will make that simple because people have, people have different opinions on how hard it is to, to do a, a, an S2I or a build pack, how hard it is to maintain it and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see if this sort of rallies the community, um, just like things like Helm did, uh, you know, to, to go, oh, okay, here's instead of packaging, here's a building sort of standard and lots of people get behind that. So that'll be another thing to just kind of people to keep an eye on. Um, don't know if that there are plans to do that, but but it wouldn't surprise me if people try and sort of yeah, break yeah, out I think that this piece is of it. Definitely, like you said, it's zero point one kind of days. So it just it literally just got announced, and just it's it, you know everyone's initial reactions is like I yeah. I I want to run this in production. I want to know everything about this, how it's going to work, where it's going to go, and it's like, well, we just we're just getting started here. Like let's let's see where it naturally goes. Right, right, exactly. So, um, the one last thing on the on the serverless space um, that uh, that Google announced, and again, this is us sort of touching on just the Kubernetes specific ones. Um, they announced a an alpha version uh, or like a early sign up. I don't even know if it's considered an alpha version, uh, but they're calling it uh, serverless containers or GKE serverless containers. And I think what this really is 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 their uh, response or or sort of offering that it would be similar to what AWS announced with Fargate. Um, so Fargate, any of these things being, hey, um, there are nodes that are underneath your um, your GKE environment um, today. You know, you, you typically have to do a certain amount of management of those nodes, uh, whether it's keeping up with the OS or you know doing security hardening, um, and uh, you know, and and kind of thinking about them and just in terms of capacity planning, how many nodes do I want and so forth. Um, the, these, these sort of quote unquote serverless, which is again, confusing the word or overloading the term, but basically saying like, don't worry about it. We'll take care of them. And, and as you need to scale them, um, we'll just scale them up. So you stop sort of thinking about the underlying nodes that you have. You just have one big pool of resources. And so again, this is another early trend that's happening where, um, companies are saying, look, I want the value of Kubernetes. Um, there's just some things that, that feel like there's a lot to manage with them. And, uh, any way you can simplify that for me, um, might be a good option for me. So that's, that's kind of what that is. And we put yeah, a link in yeah, it. I think that's people want to uh, consider, you know, uh, you know, signing up for the it. key thing is, is take a peek and, uh, you know, try things, you know, everything's a learning experience. Um, you know, it's always as things change so quickly, you know, play with the things that you think may make sense yep. and, and just, you know, get comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, uh, we'll make it one caveat. Um, we have no idea. There's nothing in the, in the document that we will point to that explains like whether you'll get accepted. Um, there's just a few basic questions that say like, Hey, what are you planning to do? Or what you know? What have you done in the past? So uh, don't don't take that we're talking about it. Uh, that you know, like we have, we don't have any pull to get you on the list. So we apologize if you uh, try and sign up and you don't hear back from Google uh, anytime soon, or if you do, 
you know, let us know, hit us up and let us know if, uh, if you do end up using it and what your thoughts on it were. So, um, Collar, I think we, we covered a lot of things. We covered a lot of announcements. Um, we covered some, you know, ways that, uh, Kubernetes is, is being used in the marketplace in new ways, some trends and stuff. So, uh, a lot of stuff will be in the show notes folks. Um, so don't feel like you, you missed something. Um, um any no, last I, thoughts I on, the, uh, kind the, of the, the, the breadth of announcements that came out this of, week? We sort of know, but you're seeing more and more evidence of it is, you know, for a while we did servers and then virtualization became the new platform. And, you know, whether it was stuff like VMware in data centers or EC2 or whatever. Um, but I think it's it's pretty solidified that containers are the new platform. Um, whether you're building new apps, replatforming existing apps on-prem in the public cloud, you know, containers are sort of underlying all of this stuff. Even if you're like, oh, well, we don't use containers, we use Lambda, which you're using containers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think we are seeing containers more and more becoming the de facto. Um, there, there's way more options for how to use containers. I, I do think we're, we're, we're going to go through a period of time now where the concept of, of containers and Kubernetes and serverless um, and, and what you're actually using is going to get kind of blurry and so forth. So um, if you're, if you feel like you're confused, you're, you're probably not confused, you know, go back to some of the basics of what am I trying to do? Am I packaging an application? Is that going to container? Is something running it? Is that serverless or is that Kubernetes? Um, but, but I think people are kind of overloading some of the terms and, and so forth just to, from a marketing perspective or a get ahead of a competitor perspective. So sometimes if you feel overwhelmed, maybe uh, yeah. just yeah. step I back mean, and sort of think about, okay, what, what am I trying now, to do? The, the one that's um, killing us, which could be a whole other, is a whole other show. <laughs> It'd be like AI, ML stuff, but yeah, take a, take a step back. What are you trying to do? What What's actually happening? What do you need? And, and, and get your bearings. And there's definitely a lot of people just trying to confuse people for marketing reasons. Yep. Yep. Well, very cool, man. Um, like I said, we will, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Lots of stuff in the show notes this week, folks. We will uh, likely cover um, sort of where we are three years into Kubernetes next week. Um, I think it's good to to look at, you know, where are we, where is the community mature? Um, where are we still seeing, you know, some, some challenges and opportunities? And then, you know, also give you a sense of, um, you know, where, where are some of the trends happening in terms of new things that people are doing, or maybe, you know, point out some companies and customers that, that we're now see emerging as, as using some of the new stuff. So, um, we will cover that next week, most likely. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening this week for Tyler and myself, and we will talk to you next week. 